Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 25 of the 2021 podcast series, taking a look at the draft-eligible prospects and getting you ready for the NFL draft set to begin April 29th. That's right, end of next month, NFL draft. It's right around the corner. But you know what happens right now. Not only are we getting into the pre-draft process, we don't have a combine this year, but what we do have are the pro days, guys getting to work out, and we're seeing the 40 times, we're seeing the, the vertical leaps, we're seeing the three-cone drills, really getting to showcase what these guys are all about talent-wise, and uh, of course we have free agency. And free agency is going to really impact the draft in a lot of ways, understanding exactly where teams are going to go. And since the last time we spoke, there's been a lot of action. Uh, what's really crazy is you can go day by day and see a lot, a ton of action that's taking place. And really, episode 25 is going to be all about the wide receiver, and that's what we're going to be talking about here. And I think the first pick that you have to kind of go with here in free agency is Corey Davis going to the Jets. They get a receiver. For Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, whoever's going to be under center, this receiving core, they have Denzel Mims, they have uh, Jamison Crowder, now they have Corey Davis, you know, there was talk maybe Juju Smith-Schuster would come along and come aboard as well, but Juju ultimately deciding to re-sign with Pittsburgh, interesting move there, the Raiders go out and they get a pass rusher, they needed to shore up that pass rush, get some help from Max Crosby, uh, not really getting much from Cleland Furl, the, the former number four overall pick. Yannick Ngakwe is signed. What's curious, though, is is they, they trade Trent Brown away to the Patriots. They trade Gabe Jackson away. And they also trade Rodney Hudson away to, to the Cardinals. So the offensive line is, is depleted, and yet they, they target Kenyon Drake, you know, they already have Josh Jacobs. So they're going to target Kenyon Drake, who just fell just a few yards shy of 1,000 yards a season ago. Some curious decisions there. Um, I mentioned the Jets. They also they needed pass rush help, especially switching from that 3-4 to a 4-3 defense under Robert Sala. Bringing Carl Lawson, kind of one of those underrated guys out there. Ronald Darby going to the Broncos. Look, the Broncos needed help at corner. A.J. Bouye was, was released. They still need another corner. I still think they're going to go Caleb Farley in the draft. But they give uh, Ronald Darby, uh, I think that's a nice pickup there. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson going to, uh, to to the Vikings. The Vikings, look, they, they released Shamar Steven. Uh, Michael uh, Pierce, their nose tackle, opted out last season. And I think Tomlinson's definitely going to help up front. I still think the Vikings are going to be looking for a D tackle in the draft. Saints, Drew Brees retires. Jameis Winston comes in. Uh, they they re-sign Jameis. Allow him to go ahead and, and go and see what you got. You know, this is a guy who threw over 30 touchdowns, but also 30 interceptions. Can Sean Payton really figure this guy out? I think in the right scheme, Jameis Winston still has a lot left in the tank. Washington football team. They bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been one of the greatest stopgap quarterbacks that we've had in recent memory. You know, you look at what he was able to do with Tua there in Miami. I think Washington is going to end up taking a quarterback somewhere in the draft. You know, it's probably not going to be any of our top five quarterbacks. I actually have them taking Kyle Trask in round three. Allow him to develop under Ryan Fitzpatrick. A lot of other quarterbacks have been able to do that. Uh, the Bengals, they lose Carl Lawson. They bring in Trey Hendrickson. Hendrickson, the key for him, he had 13 and a half sacks a season ago. I think the Bengals need to get another pass rusher at some point in this draft or in free agency to team with him. 
because he was at his best when he had Cam Jordan playing opposite him. Patriots, look, they drafted two tight ends in last year's draft, Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi in the third round. That didn't really work out. They're trying to look for a, a pair of, run, uh, of tight ends reminiscent of Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And, and so you see Hunter Henry, you see Jonu Smith. Makes a ton of sense. Patriots really compiling a lot of guys in free agency. They sign uh, Kyle Van Noy. They, they sign... Um, Gosh, so many, so many guys on defense, and, and I'm blanking on some of the names. But what I'm telling you, you know, Nelson Aguilar and, and uh, Kendrick Bourne, they're at the wide receiver position. They also uh, bring in Jalen Mills, the, the defensive back as well, and uh, Devon Godshaw, the the nose tackle uh, from Miami, bringing in a ton of guys. They're addressing a lot of needs, and what I'm seeing there is, is I think they're going to. It's something that Bill Belichick just doesn't do. He just doesn't spend a ton of money in free agency. I think they're positioning themselves, get a lot of those pieces that they need in free agency so that they can move up and get a quarterback, go and get Trey Lance to play behind Cam Newton. There's your future quarterback there. Uh, Jaguars, look, you know, Urban Meyer goes out. They need a corner to play opposite C.J. Henderson. They bring in Shaquille Griffin. Nice move there. Cowboys, if there's any question about them needing a, a, a corner in this draft, Chidobia Wuzier signs with the Bengals. I think it's now a done deal. They have to go corner there in round number one. Houston. Obviously, there are issues going on right now with Deshaun Watson and his future. Tyrod Taylor brought in a nice stopgap quarterback, depending on what happens there. Uh, the Jags, we're talking receivers. Marvin Jones enters that, that group there, ultimately going to be catching passes from Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be playing with, with DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault. Um, Andy Dalton going to the Bears. Looks like he's going to be their, their starting quarterback there. Um, you know, this guy's only a couple of years removed from being able to take the Bengals to uh, to the playoffs. I love that Leonard Williams finally getting paid there with the Giants. Finally having a breakout season there, 11 and a half sacks. William Jackson the third. The reason why the Bengals need a corner uh, with Awuzie is because William Jackson the third is going to to Washington, and I like this pick. They bring in Awuzie, they bring in Hilton, they get their you know a, a corner on the outside, they get the slot, um, and, and I love that pairing there. So addressing some needs through free agency. Trent Williams re-signing with the Niners. They get their left tackle. Everything set there. Rams trade Michael Brockers to the Lions. I think this is really a cost-saving measure for the Rams. The Lions, they need to shore up. Really, they need to get a pass rush. They need to stop the run. That that front has just been, been porous and has not been able to generate much momentum at all. So I like the fact that they bring in Brockers, get another defensive lineman in the draft. Um, A.J. Green going to the to the Cardinals. You know, I think this is a nice pick. You know, they bring in the, the elder statesman. They've got J.J. Watt, who's 31. A.J. Green is 33. And, uh, you know, look, you know, Larry Fitzgerald could come back to this squad as well. They've got, uh, Deshaun, uh, I'm sorry, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Christian Kirk, not really a number two wide out. Um, you know, they, they've been missing that. So I think it's nice to bring in A.J. Green, but I still think they're going to draft another receiver. They need to get that vertical threat that they're missing ever since John Brown left the, the, the franchise. Uh, Jayon Brown uh, staying there in, in Tennessee. Like to see that. Um, gosh, Hassan Reddick. You, know, you want to talk about a guy who did a tremendous job there for Carolina, really getting after the quarterback, kind of his last-ditch effort to kind of save 
uh, save his career, really. This was a guy who was kind of struggling to, to get anything going, but you know he, he ends up with double-digit sacks, and he's going to Carolina. I, I like the move there. Um, you know, and look, he's a guy that played at Temple. Who was the coach at Temple? Matt Rule. I'm telling you, Matt Rule's going to take Mac Jones with that number eight overall pick. Mark my words. Kyle Long coming out of retirement. Goes to KC. He's going to play guard. You got Joe Tooney uh, coming from, from the Patriots. He's going to play the other guard position. Now if they can only figure out what they're going to do with the tackle position, the fact that they've, they've released both Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Washington absolutely needed a receiver, so what do they do later on in the week? After getting some corners, they get Curtis Samuel from the Panthers. And this is a guy, look, I talked about you know potentially them taking Kadarius Toney. Curtis Samuel ends up taking care of that need. I still think they're going to go with the receiver, you know, a bigger receiver at this point um, that can make some plays down the field. They do have uh, you know Gandy Golden on the roster. You know that he's going to be in play. Kelvin Harmon, another bigger receiver. So you know they, they may be okay uh, with that receiver position. They can go offensive line, go linebacker early. Um, look, the the Seahawks. They, they needed a, a tight end, especially with, with Greg Olson leaving. So, um, you know, retiring. Gerald Everett coming in. He was playing in the shadows of, of Tyler Higby there with the Rams. Really kind of underutilized. I like that pickup. Patrick Peterson. All pro Patrick Peterson. Spent his entire decade you know, in the league with, with Arizona, the Cardinals. He signed a one-year deal in Minnesota. Um, you know, and he's ultimately... There, there are a lot of guys there that, that you're looking at. Uh, Jeff Gladney and Cam Dantzler. So he's going to be playing kind of that role to, to help develop these guys. You know, future Hall of Famer. He's got he's still got a lot left in the tank. Let's not get that twisted at all. Um, but look, care, you know, what this means is Arizona is going to get a corner. I think they get J.C. Horn sitting there at number 16. I mentioned Kyle Van Noy to the Patriots. How about the, the, the Chargers? I figure they're still going to try to go after Pat Fryermuth in round number two, but even if he's not around or they look for other needs, they have Jared Cook in their back pocket. Jared Cook, one of the more underrated tight ends, one of the more productive tight ends that nobody really talks about. He's going to be a, a huge weapon there for Justin Herbert up the seam. Um, let's see, Will Fuller going to Miami. I, I think with Will Fuller signing with Miami, I think that kind of has that handwriting on the board. It's either are you team Devontae Smith or are you team Jamar Chase? And uh, you know, I, I think Miami ultimately is going to settle on Jamar Chase there at number three. Uh, Desmond King, uh, the, the the slot corner there for Tennessee, he's going to Houston. I think Houston's bringing that in. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Bud Dupree going to Tennessee as well. Look, you know, he's recovering from a torn ACL so suffered in December. Will he be back to full strength? I still think Tennessee is going to end up getting another edge rusher in the draft. They have uh, you know, Harold Landry there as well. I think they need an insurance policy there. Draft someone in the, in the draft is probably going to be in the first two days. Uh, the, the New York Giants, they go after you know, Kyle Rudolph. To get an inline guy to pair up with, with Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram struggled with a ton of drops. Yes, I know he was a pro bowler, but a ton of drops. I love you know Kyle Rudolph going there. Personally, you know, I, at one point I had Kyle Pitts going there, so I think that makes some sense. Um, let's see. You know, and then obviously Juju going to stay in with the Steelers, turns down offers from both Pittsburgh and Case. I'm sorry, both Baltimore and KC. 
Uh, Baltimore is going to need to find a receiver at some point. You know, are they going to go after Kenny Galladay? And really, Kenny Galladay is the big name that's out there. We, we saw a lot of movement in free agency. We didn't see some of the big name wide receivers come off the board right away. And I think the big reason why, segue, uh, is because this receiving class is deep. It is very deep. And what's crazy with this, you know, we can go through and look at, at this receiving core and say, look, you can target each round of the draft and find a receiver or two that's going to make an impact at the next level. I even have a couple of guys to be on the lookout for as undrafted free agents, guys that I enjoyed watching in college who I think may have a chance at the next level if they're given the opportunity. We're just one year removed from when we had 37 wide receivers taken. 37. That's the most since 2013, uh, I'm sorry, 2003, when we also had 37. Uh, that was the draft where we had Charles Rogers, Andre Johnson, Anquan Bolden. So a season ago, what was crazy about that draft, you know, we had uh, six receivers come off the board in round one. So you know, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Jalen Rager struggled with injuries, Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, really one of the, the league's top wideouts. Uh, Brandon Ayuk there with the Niners. Uh, T. Higgins falls to round two, which was crazy. Michael Pittman Jr., LaVisca Chenault uh, looking good there. Chase Claypool breakout with, with the, the Steelers. Van Jefferson, Denzel Mims look promising. Antonio Gibson in this group. He's also a running back with, the, with I'm sorry, I almost did it, the Washington football team. Um, you know, Devin Duvernay, Brian, Brian Edwards, they're showing promise, as is Gabriel Davis for the Bills. He's going to play a much bigger role now that uh, John Brown has moved on. Tyler Johnson falls all the way to the round number five for the Buccaneers. He looks like a keeper. Uh, you know, Quintez Cephas played a role there for the Lions. He was picked up in round number five, as was Darnell Mooney. Uh, a nice slot guy there for the Bears coming out of Hawaii. He was a, uh, a fifth round pick. So, you know, it was a draft that you could look at and go almost top to bottom at the receiver position and say, look, you know, we can we can target somebody and we have a draft that's similar to that. You know, and what's crazy is you look at 2019, that was a draft where we had two receivers taken in round number one, uh, you know, Marquise Brown and Nikhil Harry. Um, this We did have, you know, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Mecole Hardman taken in that draft. D DK Metcalf fell all the way to number 64 overall at the end of round number two. Pretty crazy now when we think about that. Uh, scary Terry McLaurin fell all the way to number 76 in the third round. Are you kidding me? Um, so, but, but overall, the, the depth with that draft, you know, not quite what we were expecting. Um, you know, we look at, at 2018, another draft where you saw more of the depth, you know, towards the, the middle of the of the draft. So, you know, DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley, the only two wideouts coming off the board in round one. But you did have Cortland Sutton, Dante Pettis, Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, James Washington, DJ Chark, Michael Gallup, uh, Traquan Smith. You know, these are all guys that were taken in round two, three, and four. Uh, you know, so it's it's pretty remarkable that draft. Marquez Valdez Scantling, been a big play threat there for Aaron Rodgers. He was taken in round number five. No more was a speed guy, not known for his hands, uh, but he's really kind of helped shore that up a little bit. And then uh, you know, 2017, we go before that. Uh, this was a draft where we were real heavy at the top, and you had Corey Davis, Mike Williams, and John Ross all taken in the top ten. Kind of surprised a little bit, but there was nobody else that was going to be drafted in uh, on the first day of the draft. So you, you saw teams like the Titans, Chargers, and Bengals nabbing those guys in the in the top ten. 
then after that, we did have some pretty nice depth, though. Curtis Samuel, the aforementioned Curtis Samuel, same with Juju. Uh, Cooper Cup also taken uh, in, in round numbers at the top of round three, actually. Um, so they're, you know, looking at the rest of that draft, though, you know, they're guys kind of up and down careers. Not really a ton of guys that have really stuck. David Moore actually was a seventh-round pick coming out of East Central Oklahoma uh, going to the Seahawks. He's now a free agent, but a guy that made some plays there for Seattle. And you know, as we're going back these five years, we look at 2016. You know, And that was a draft where we saw four receivers come off the board in round one. Um, you know, The Corey Coleman, Will Fuller, Josh Doxson, Laquan Treadwell. Not a ton of success at the top of that draft, but... If you'll remember, and this is why I'm bringing this up as we go through this, is we see some of the depth, the receivers that aren't taken on day one, fear not, because there's plenty of guys that are out there who can make plays and, and be, uh, be weapons. So in that 2016 draft, on day two, Sterling Shepard, 40 overall. Michael Thomas, 47 overall. Tyler Boyd, number 55. Now we go to, to round number four. And you've got guys like, like Malcolm Mitchell, Chris Moore, uh, Farrell Cooper. Let's scroll down to round number five. 165 overall. One of the most dynamic receivers in the league. Tyreek Hill. Rashard Higgins. Also playing a nice role there for the Browns. So it's one of those things to where you can still get guys on day two and day three of the draft and guys that are still going to make an impact. So wanted to make sure that we point that out as we go through this. And something to keep in mind is you're going to have receivers taken on all three days of the draft. And there are going to be guys that are going to hit on all three days of the draft. So let's jump in, take a look at all of these receivers. We've got a lot of guys to cover so let's go ahead and just get after it and start talking about these guys. So at the top of my list, I've got Jamar Chase. And look, Jamar Chase, six foot, 208. You know, everyone forgets that this guy put up numbers that are comparable to what Devontae Smith did in his Heisman Trophy winning season in 2020. 84 catches, 100, I'm sorry, 1,780 yards, which is a 21.2 yard per catch average, 20 touchdowns. Yes, this was the juggernaut offense that Joe Brady was running. Uh, but you watch Joe Burrow in the league, had a pretty decent season before he got hurt. You know, I don't think it was a fluke. You can sit there and say it all you want. It wasn't a fluke. Come on. You know, but Jamar Chase, what's really fun about watching him is he's so physical with that route running. Does a really good job bullying defensive backs to create separation late. He's going to get physical with you. Is he going to run by you? That's going to be a big question mark is, is some of that top end speed. Um, you know, but... You know, the, the route running as well. You don't see the, the route running as much with, you know, that was Justin Jefferson. That was really what, what Justin Jefferson was so good at. But he's really good working off the line of scrimmage. He's going to fight through the jam, uh, really good at with his releases, setting his man up. And then once he gets that release, uses that body position to allow him to be the only person to make a play on that football. Dynamic in the open field because he is so difficult to bring down. You know, he may not necessarily be able to run by you every time, but man, if you try to tackle him, he's going to he's gonna make you pay. Uh, so I love Jamar Chase. I think he's going number three overall to the Dolphins. Then you look at 
the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. Six foot 175. You know, I, I heard Dan Orlovsky compare uh, Jamar Chase to uh, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, ESPN's Dan Orlovsky. And uh, when I look at Devontae Smith, people are comparing him to other guys. I see Marvin Harrison. You know, I think similar build, you know, in terms of the quickness, running sub 4 4 40s. Um, you look at Devontae Smith, and, and man, you know, you can't argue with, with what this kid was able to do. Um, it, it's it's quite staggering when, when you look at some of the numbers and just everything that, that Devontae Smith was doing out there. Um, finishes, you know, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, but look, 117 catches for 1,856 yards and 23 touchdowns. And really, when you watch him, especially in that national title game, you know, he hurt his hand. In, in in the first half and still had 12 catches for 215 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, the production was ridiculous and nobody could really cover it. Some of that was the scheme. You, know, you would see Steve Sarkeesian, just kind of that, that mad scientist there. He'd have receivers moving in, in different directions and defensive backs moving with the other guys, moving with John Mechie, moving with Slade Bolden. Why are you moving with those guys and leaving Devontae Smith wide open? Well, you know, he had some nice schemes that, that were really uh, able to take advantage of that. You know, some of these aggressive defenses. And, uh, you know, there's there's Devontae Smith. He's polished with the route running, very explosive, uh, does a great job with his release coming off the line. He plays bigger than that six-foot frame. And the thing that I really love about him, you're going to get him with full extension. He's going to high point the football, attacks the ball in the air, Fearless, not afraid to go over the middle, works the sidelines very well, tremendous body control. He, he's my number two wideout, you know, and it's pretty close. It's almost 1A, 1B. I think ultimately I'm, I'm looking at the Lions there at seven. That'd be a nice, nice pickup there. Possibly even the Giants at 11. Reason why I'm not saying the Eagles is I think the Eagles are going to take, you know, Kyle Pitts. I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. But anyway. Jalen Waddle is my number three receiver. Some people have him as their number one. I wouldn't argue with you too much. Um, 5'10", 182 pounds, the junior. Explosive, explosive, explosive. Look, in six games before he got hurt, um, you know, 28 catches, 591 yards. That was 21.1 yards per reception. This is a guy who reminds you a lot of Tyreek Hill with his explosiveness, that get off the line, just so explosive, and a guy that has that home run speed. Uh, you know, a guy, look, he, he had uh, two pump returns for a touchdown, ran a kickoff for, for a touchdown as well. And look, you know, 2020 was not the season that he wanted to have. Um, but before he got injured, you know, this is a guy, you know, had two catches, uh, two TD catches over 80 yards. And uh, I think this is a guy, if I'm the Giants and I'm sitting there, I need a big play guy. Yes, you know, I've got Darius Slayton who has some big playability and some speed but he doesn't have Jalen Waddle speed. He's not a Tyree kill. And so when you look at the, the, the Giants, they have two pass-catching tight ends, similar to, okay, you're Travis Kelsey. You have a lot of possession receivers. You know, your Golden Tates and your Sterling Shepherds. You have a bigger receiver in Darius Slayton. Jalen Waddle's that missing piece. And I, I think the more uh, weapons you give Daniel Jones, that's really what's going to pay off for him in the long run. So... I've got one more receiver that's coming off the board in round number uh, round number one, at least right now in my mock draft, and that's going to be Rashad Bateman. And look, with Bateman, he's 6'2", 210. He sat out the last you know, this past season, um, you know, towards the end of the year. Um, ultimately, 
you know, he, he said he was going to sit out the whole year, decided that he was going to come back and play, um, and had a decent year this year. Um, you know, when you look at the stats, uh, Bateman threw five games, 36 catches, 472 yards, and two touchdowns. But really, he was the Big Ten wide receiver of the year in 2019. The Gophers, P.J. Fleck, man, this was a team they were, you know, cranking into the top ten. Um, ultimately faltered, you know, down the down the stretch. But look, over you know 1,200 yards, 20.3 yards per reception, 11 touchdowns on the year. And what I love about Rashad Bateman is this is a guy um, who is tremendous, uh, not only winning off the line of scrimmage, the crisp route running to gain separation, tremendous fighting through contact, uh, attacking the football when it's in the air. Um, you know, you'll see him, you know, the release usually on those slants. Uh, what he was able to do was set guys up, you know, a jab step to the outside and then cross the face of the corner and come back inside. And then once he catches that football, that quick acceleration, some lateral agility to avoid a, a defender in the open field and run away from him as well. So if you're curious about the top end speed, he ran a sub 4440 at the Exos Combine. So we can put that to bed. There are two other receivers who very well could come off the board in round number one, and I wouldn't be surprised if it does happen. Kadarius Tony out of Florida, six foot, 193, a guy that you can line up virtually anywhere. He lines up in the backfield, he lines up outside, lines up in the slot, bunch formation, doesn't really matter. Um, he's going to line up pretty much everywhere. And what I love about Kadarius Tony is this is a guy who uh, the versatility is ridiculous, but his development from being a gadget player, that's really what he was to start out his career when he arrived in Florida, but now he's a bona fide receiver. And what you see is, you know, the speed to stretch defenses vertically, the sudden agility to be a weapon over the middle. And I think when he solidified his status as, as a guy that was going to be selected in the top 30 or 40 picks, um, was at the senior bowl. Nobody could cover this guy. The separation that he was getting with some of his routes, absolutely insane. And I think it made people go back and watch his game film. And he was doing it out, out there on the, on the football field, game in and game out. I think people just weren't really expecting to see that. But this is a guy, the route running ability and, and the agility, he's continued to develop and get better each and every year. And that's something for me, I, I think he can end up working his way into round number one. Um, I, I think it's going to be a little bit lower than a lot of people were expecting, though. Um, but he's definitely a guy you have to be excited excited about. And, you know, I'm really... Uh, you know, really proud of, of you know, proud of this guy because he's somebody who's really developed himself each and every year uh, under Dan Mullen. There, also a guy that you know can be featured in the return game. Did return a punt for touchdown here in 2020. Average 12.6 yards per punt return as well. Um, so definitely some some stats to, to remember there. And then how about Terrace Marshall Jr.? He's 6'3", 200 pounds, the junior. As a sophomore, he was playing third fiddle, you know, really, to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. And he still had 46 catches for 671 yards and 13 touchdowns. That's in 12 games. Now, in seven games, have 48 catches for 730 yards and, and, and 10 touchdowns. And so, you know, he improved that, that play as that number one wideout. And this is a guy, look... Um, he has that nice blend of speed, size, and athleticism. He's going to match up either on the outside or in the slot. And I think ultimately he's going to be able to, to win wherever you line him up. And so I think he's a guy that we could easily see come off the board. Uh, 
you know, they're in round number one, possibly to Baltimore. I actually have Chicago on, on day two taking him. And I know that Allen Robinson signed his franchise tag, but I think they need a true number two wideout. And I think Terrace Marshall can absolutely be that guy. So those are the guys that I think could end up coming off the board in round number one. I think ultimately you're going to see one or two of those guys fall to round two because look, the receiver class is so deep. You can wait until round two, day two, you know, talking even into round number three and get a guy who can be a playmaker for you. How about Rondell Moore out of Purdue? Now, this is a guy who burst onto the scene in 2018 as a freshman, 114 catches, over 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, uh, also had 12 carry, or I'm sorry, 21 carries on the ground, 10.1 yards per rush, two touchdowns. This guy was so explosive and he was just a big ball of muscle. This was a guy that was, you know, six, you know, 500 pound bench press, 600 pound squats. He's lifting with the offensive line. Everyone's talking about this guy. And then in the next two seasons, he only plays in seven games because of the injuries. You know, and I worry about a guy that is so uh, muscle bound like that, you know, and the, the muscle twitch and the fibers, you know, the, the explosive movements a lot of times, that's going to take its toll you know, on, on some of your, your joints and, and some of your muscles. And that's ultimately might be what's happening there with Rondell Moore. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, but you know, what I do know is, you know, just speaking from experience, a lot of times I know that's, that's what can happen. Um, so you do worry about that a little bit. He's definitely a high risk, high reward type of a guy, but when he is healthy, few you know, actually have that explosiveness for the football. Um, you know, the, the suddenness with the route running, the speed to go the distance on any play. Um, but it's going to come down to the medicals. You know, they're a huge red flag. That's ultimately going to determine where he'll come off the board. Could he be a, a, a round one receiver? Absolutely. Is it going to happen though? Probably not. And that's unfortunate. I think, you know, if the Ravens wait until day two, because you do need pass rush help, especially with uh, Yannick Ngakwe and Matt Judon leaving. Yes, you did re-sign Tyus Bowser and Pernell McPhee, but that's not going to be enough. I think you need to go ahead and get Aziz Ojolari there if he's available at 27. Get your receiver on day two. I think the Saints could do well to get you know Elijah Moore out of Mississippi in round two uh, to really compliment Michael Thomas, you know, and make up for the loss of Emmanuel Sanders, who was let go. Uh, Elijah Moore, 5'9", 184 pounds, the junior, another explosive guy, someone who I think is prolific in the slot. Um, when you look at Elijah Moore, uh, through eight games, eight games, mind you, 86 catches, 1,193 yards, and eight touchdowns. That's the Lane Kiffin effect right there. I mean, you think about when, when Marquise Lee was at USC, Lane Kiffin had that dude making plays all over the place and, and the receptions and the yards uh, running underneath, running over the top. And really, Elijah Moore was doing a lot of that as well. The Bolitnikoff Award final, finalist definitely sudden off the line, fearless going over the middle, soft hands, threat to go the distance. He's another guy I think would be a nice compliment there for the Saints on day two. I'm going to give you a guy that I'm a lot higher on than a lot of people in, in the draft community, and that's Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. Six foot, 190 pounds. Look, I, I got to see him. I, I live in Oklahoma, so I got to see him play each and every week there for uh, for the Pokes of, of Oklahoma State. And uh, you know, look in 2018, the breakout sophomore season, over 1,400, just under 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns, was a Blitnikoff Award finalist. He was looking like a guy who was going to enter the draft in 2019. 
and really was poised for a big year because he had 903 yards through just nine games and then that ACL injury cut his season short. Devastating. Struggled you know, with that knee injury coming back, ultimately got that knee brace off, but was battling a groin injury to start out the season in 2020. Still ended up with 922 yards. And look, this is a dude, he plays bigger than his size. He's six foot 190, he plays so much bigger than that. He fights through contact, loves, I mean, he loves to get physical. That's the thing that's so fun about Tylen Wallace. He's gonna go up and high point that football and you can, you know, there's gonna be contact. He's gonna fight through that. I mean, it's ridiculous. The ability to create that late separation as he's elevating as well, does a great job with that. He's gonna wrestle the football away from, from a, a, a DB. So it doesn't matter just how physical you get. That 50-50 ball, if he's anywhere near it, he's gonna come down with it. And he's another guy, I was worried about that top end speed. How fast was he really gonna run? Uh, ran a sub 4440 uh, at his pro day. That turns heads to me. That took him from a, a, a third or fourth round pick into, into round number two. And I'm looking at you, Green Bay. You've got Devontae Adams there on the outside. You've got a couple of bigger receivers in Alan, Alan Lazard and, and Marquez Valdez-Stanley. Tylen Wallace is going to be a nice complimentary receiver there for Devontae Adams, whether it's on the outside or in the slot. I really like that pick. Number 62, why not? Go ahead and take it. So those are the guys I think you know could potentially come off the board there in round number two. Now in round three, here's what's interesting. I don't have Amari Rodgers in my top 10, but I think this is the Trevor Lawrence effect. I think you get a guy that's going to be familiar and yes, you know, we do have Marvin Jones. I didn't mention Philip Dorsett, but he also signed with the Jags uh, in free agency. I'm looking at Amari Rodgers. He, he ran the ball a little bit, was a running back in, in, on, at his pro day. I mean, he's built like a running back. He's 5'10", 210, for goodness sakes. You know, perfect in the slot as well. Uh, he's sudden off the line. He'll make you miss in the open field. Difficult to bring down because of that size. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's built like a running back. Uh, went over 1,000 yards this past season, 77 catches on the year, uh, and seven touchdowns. To me, when I when I look at Amari Rodgers, I just think, you know, that, that slot receiver and a guy that I'm sure Trevor Lawrence would love to have, one of his favorite targets. I think it makes a ton of sense for the Jags to look at, at taking him there in round number three. Um, but again, he's not going to be the only guy that's going to come off the board in round number three. Um after after him, you're looking at a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown out of USC. 6'1", 195. Few receivers were as reliable as him for the Trojans. Sudden off the line, but he's so smooth with the route running ability. Fearless coming over the middle. He'll take a big hit, hang on to the football. Uh, a knack for finding openings in the defense to make a play. If there's a hole in the zone, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to find it. And uh, he's going to make a play on the football. He's strong through contact when attacking the football in the air. Um, dynamic in the slot, but he can line up on the outside as well. I'm looking at the Eagles. I think he'd be a nice receiver there for Jalen Hurts. And uh, when we look at Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, over 1,000 yards in 2019, was leading the Pac-12 uh, in reception with 41 in 2020. Battled a little bit of an injury uh, that kind of cut things short a little bit for him. But, uh, man... Amon Ross St. Brown is a guy that I think is flying under some radars, and I think people are really underestimating him. Um, look, it's a football family. You know, he's got Equinemia St. Brown uh, with the Packers. Uh, his brother Osiris played football there at, at Stanford, and I mean, of course, he's got Mr. Olympia, his dad. Um, you know, so the guy again lived in the weight room. 
Um, a guy who also very cultured, you know, his dad, world traveler, speaks multiple languages. You know, I think you're getting a nice player there in Amonra St. Brown if you're the Eagles. Um, I think the Cardinals, I, I just mentioned that they, they ended up taking A.J. Green in, in free agency, but I'm still looking at, I mentioned they need a guy, you know, John Brown. Dwayne Eskridge, 5'9", 190. This is a dude that's going to get vertical. He's going to run by you. And I just I look at you know the separation and the route running that he was he was able to display the acceleration running away from defenders at the Senior Bowl. He's got legit four three speed. It just makes way too much sense. I think he's going to be a nice pickup there in round number three for the Cardinals. Um, after that, there there are three other guys that I've got coming off the board in round number three. Um, I think Tutu Atwell. I think he'd be a nice pickup for the Browns. You know, they've got Jarvis Landry, they've got Rashad Higgins, they've got Donovan Peoples-Jones. Odell Beckham Jr., whether he stays, whether he goes, I think they still need that guy, um, you know, that, that threat coming out of the slot, potentially on the outside. One of those small, smallish receivers, you know, dynamic and sudden, maybe even, you know, quicker than he is fast. I think Tutu Atwell fits the bill. Look, he's diminutive. He's 5'9", 165 pounds, but you know, he's definitely a lot tougher than uh, than, than he looks because, I mean, he's, he's a little guy, but man... You know, very explosive, very sudden, the lateral agility to make make people miss in the open field as well. And look, you know, with, with Tutu Atwell, over a thousand yards in 2019, played in nine games, um, just 625 yards. But that offense there for Louisville, I think they struggled at times getting the football uh, and making making some plays down the field. But I think Atwell, some people have him coming off the board in the second round. I think he's one of those guys because of the depth of the position, falls to to the third round. I think the Browns would be nice pickup for them. Um, Bills. Look, you got you know Stephon Diggs, you've got Gabriel Davis, you've got Cole Beasley. You know, they, they, they signed a receiver, but I still think you can get a guy like Deami Brown out of North Carolina. 6'1, 185, uh, total, you know, 20 touchdowns in, in back-to-back thousand-yard seasons the last two years. But really it's at 20.1 yards per catch average over that same two-year span. You know, a guy that is a definite dynamic vertical threat there for UNC, but the hands, the inconsistent hands is what's going to push him down towards the end of round three, and I think that'd be a nice pickup for the Bills. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? How about big Seth Williams there for Auburn? This is a dude, um, he, he can play. He ran a 4 5 40 at his, at his pro day, so a lot faster than I was expecting for a guy that's 6'3", 211 pounds. Um, Uses that big frame. This is a guy that's going to box people out, box those defenders out, use that length to his advantage. He climbs the ladder and high points the football. This guy was a, a master of the back shoulder throw. It seemed like anytime they were throwing a back shoulder, it didn't matter who was covering him. It didn't matter if it was you know Tyson Campbell, uh, you know whoever it was, you know Eric Stokes, whoever the corner was there in the SEC. If you throw a back shoulder throw to, to Seth Williams, you knew one thing was going to happen. Seth Williams was coming down with that football. Um, and again, that, that physicality that he brings to the position. Um, I, I look at a guy, a team like the 49ers. You know, I, I look at them with that receiving core. They've got Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel. Bring a bigger receiver, toughness. Um, I, I think that'd be a nice pickup there. Um, so those are guys that I have coming off the board um, on day two. So, but again, a lot of guys that we could end up seeing coming off the board on day three. And I want to get into those discussions as well. Jalen Darden out of North Texas. He's 
He's 5'9", 174 pounds. Another guy that's tiny. But look, uh, you know, racked up 31 yards in his last two seasons for the Mean Green. Um, you know, played in just nine games this past season. But check this out. Posted six games over 100 yards. So six of the nine over 100. Two consecutive performance over 200 yards. And closed out his career with 24 catches for 451 yards and eight touchdowns in those final three games. And when you watch the film, it's the quickness and acceleration. Plus, he's fearless. He's attacking defenses both on the outside and over the middle. He'll be a slot receiver. You know, I'm looking at a team like maybe the Bengals. Um, you know, they've got John Ross, um, who's been a disappointment. He's on the way out. You got Tyler Boyd. You got T. Higgins. You bring in Jalen Darden. Allow him to be a slot receiver. I think that can make some sense there for them. Um, you know, definitely a guy to keep an eye out for. But he's another one of those smallish receivers. So you know, if you're looking for a bigger receiver, you know, say you're the Chargers, Mike Williams, is he going to be a guy that they let go or not? Um, you know, it remains to be seen whether or not that happens. But you got a guy like Nico Collins sitting there. Uh, could be a round three guy. I think ultimately he'll fall to round four. This is a guy who, you know, he sat out 2020. He struggled with poor quarterback play. And they had a lot of receivers there uh, at Michigan uh, to, to contend with. You had Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, and you had Tarek Black, wound up transferring to Texas. Just a lot of guys there. Just the quarterback play wasn't good. Um, and so he struggled there. So you really have to watch the film with this guy. But, you know, again, that size but he runs really well, you know, getting vertical, you know, but he can also sink those hips, allows him to get some separation out of his breaks. And then he uses that size to his advantage, puts himself between the corner and the ball, attacks the ball in the air by really extending those arms for the football. And so he plays a lot, you know, uses that frame to his advantage. Um, and I think he's going to be more productive um, as a pro than he was at Michigan for obvious reasons. Cornell Powell out of Clemson. This was a guy who showed up at his pro day, and I think Twitter just about had a heart attack. Uh, everybody just talking about the physical specimen that they saw in front of them. And I remember, you know, the, the last time we heard anybody really talking about something like that, it was DK Metcalf. So maybe people should take notice. Um, running in the four-five range, if I'm not mistaken. He's six-one, two hundred and ten pounds. Um, this is a guy who really had to sit behind a ton of receivers, from Mike Williams to T, T. Higgins, Hunter Renfro, Ray Ray uh, McLeod. Finally getting his shot to break out in 2020, really. Uh, four games with 100-plus yards. Had three games where he averaged over 20 yards per reception. Scored at least one touchdown in six of the Tigers' final eight games. He can stretch defenses a little bit. He's going to go up and contend for those 50-50 balls. Can be a weapon in the slot as well. Some nice versatility there for the receiver position. And then a guy like Sage Surratt. I think the, either the Chargers, if they don't go... Uh, Nico Collins. I think he could also go to the Raiders, a team with Henry Ruggs and, and uh, Hunter Renfro. Uh, given that Tyrell Williams and, and Nelson Aguilar now now have new homes. Uh, Sage Surratt, look, he's 6'3", 215 pounds. He sat out this past season. I would have loved to have seen him actually play because you wanted to see you know what, what he was capable of in that uh, that junior season with the follow-up to the sophomore season where you know, he, he racked up over 1,000 yards, 66 receptions, 11 touchdowns, nine games played, but an injury finished the season. So you really wanted to see what type of what type of playmaker was he going to be, you know, because he does struggle to separate from defensive backs at times, and you saw that again at the Senior Bowl. Um, but look, he's big, he's strong, he's physical, excellent timing, body control, and attacking the ball in the air. Um, that inability to separate is going to be a concern. 
So I really want to see what he's going to run in that 40 time. But I think the fourth round right now feels like the right value for Sage Surratt. Um, continuing at the receiver position, um, we had a, a scary Terry alert there with the Redskins. I think we've got another scary Terry. It's Warren Terry out of uh, Florida State. He's 6'4", 210 pounds. And the junior here, he put up monster numbers as a sophomore. Uh, over 1,100 yards, 19.8 yards per reception, nine touchdowns, that blend of size and speed, and, and a guy who just knows how to use uh, his size to his advantage. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Tamori and Terry. You know, I wish I would have gotten to see him play the entire season. Uh, only got to play in six games. But this is a guy, look, he does a great job coming back to the football along the sideline. You know, a guy that also understands how to set his receipt, you know, set set his man up in front of him on this quick screen. Took it two steps to the inside, cut it back to the outside, ran by the corner, took off down the sideline. That was a game against Georgia Tech um, earlier in the season. But look, he's six four, and he moves really well for a guy that size. Um, so again, a guy got to watch out for. Um, I think he's somebody that. Um, teams are going to have to do a little bit of homework on, make sure that there aren't any off-field issues with him. Um, but definitely a guy that uh, would be a nice get um, on day number three. Uh, Marcus St- uh, Marcus Stevenson out of Houston. He's six foot one ninety. A guy that um, has four four speed, can stretch defenses vertically. Uh, nine touchdowns in both his sophomore and senior, and I'm sorry, and junior seasons. And uh, you know they struggled. You know Houston did. Uh, with the limited schedule due to COVID and all the cancellations, still was able to score uh, touchdowns in three of his five games that he played in. Um, I think he's going to be a nice vertical threat, a complimentary receiver though, which is why he's coming off the board on day three. Another speedster that we have to make mention of is Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn. I think he's going to get drafted higher than he probably should because of the speed. Speed, speed, speed. Speed kills at the next level. He's six foot, 179 pounds, and a junior. This is a track guy in a football uniform. Um, you know, when you when you talk about sprinter speed, uh, you know, ran a 10:07 100 meter dash in high school. I mean, when you're talking about that, he could run at the national level with a 10:07. Um, is he going to win? No, because you got guys like Christian Coleman and, and Trayvon Bromel breaking the 10 seconds, you know, running into the 9.9, even the 9.8. Um, so Schwartz may not necessarily be on that level, although if he were to train full-time, you know, it'd be interesting to see what he could do. That said, this was a guy who I think, you know, really was, is still developing as a receiver, a guy that lined up in the backfield. They lined him in the slot. They lined him all over the place. Took a ton of handoffs. Um, but really... 2020, he finally got to showcase himself as a receiver. He finally eclipsed the 100, 100 yard mark. Did it twice. Um, you know, there's a game in the in the middle of the season. Two games, seven passes caught for 207 yards, an average of nearly 30 yards per per catch, uh, and two touchdowns against LSU and Tennessee. So he proved that he can be more than just a gadget player. Hey, I can actually uh, be a, a receiver that you can count on. Um, look, the Chiefs. You know, I think Byron Pringle showed off his ability to be a potential number three receiver. Um, obviously, you know you've got uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, and then you know that Nicole Hardman's been a nice, nice complimentary receiver. Um, 
I, I look at Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins, two guys with a ton of speed. They may not be back. You need to find another uh, receiver with speed, and there's no doubt that Anthony Schwartz is one of the fastest dudes out there. So it just feels like a match made in heaven there with KC. So now we're getting into some of these other receivers, you know, mid to late day three. Austin Watkins out of South Florida, 6'3", 210 pounds, uh, a guy who uh, ran, you know, over 1,000 yards receiving and uh, 19.2 yards per reception in 2019. Um, you know, battled some injuries in 2020, but this is a guy, look, he's, he's a big target, uh, physical, a, a guy that's athletic, a guy that's going to beat you on the outside. I'm a big fan of Austin Watkins and a guy that I, I think could end up surprising some people there um, in the draft. Take two. Then you have a guy like Austin Watkins. Uh, Watkins, 6'3", 210 pounds, out of UAB. Over 1,000 yards in round, I'm sorry, in 2019. And a guy, look, over 19 yards per reception. This is a guy who can be a downfield threat. Um, you know, there was a game uh, early on in the season. They played against South Alabama. And, and this is a guy, look, seven catches, 183 yards and a touchdown. Ran a post you know, across the left. The ball was thrown up the middle. Um, able to adjust the fo- to the football in the air. Um, hauled the football in for a 55-yard reception. Um, you know, ran a dig route, able to sit down in the zone as well during that game. So, you know, a guy who I think can also make you miss, has a, a large catch radius, just a guy who I think is going to end up surprising people at the next level. Um, feels like a fifth round guy to me. Another guy that I really love is Jonathan Adams out of Arkansas State. And this was a dude, look, what he did against Memphis and K-State, you know, this was where COVID... This was a receiver who actually benefited quite a bit from COVID. And it sounds kind of strange, but a lot of the, the the conferences that did not start out the season allowed Jonathan Adams to really play on a national scale. And man, did he deliver. If you watch that K-State game, you know, he had eight catches for 98 yards and three touchdowns. And they ended up beating the Wildcats there out of the Big 12, you know, the, Ar- the, the Red Wolves there for Arkansas State, but just the physicality, uh, with, you know, that he, that he played with was just absolutely ridiculous. And, and there was a play, you know, and it was actually an incomplete pass, but it was unreal. It was a slot fade from the 15-yard line. He gets to the front pylon, his foot hits the goal line, and he elevates over the corner, fully extends his right arm over the cornerback's shoulder. He's kind of even with the guy's helmet, Hauls it in with with one hand for the touchdown. Basically grabbed the nose of the ball. Had the possession as his foot hit the ground, but the ball ends up popping out. Uh, resecures it, but you know they still call it defensive pass interference. What happens on the next play? Three-yard touchdown, back shoulder throw on a stop route. Able to box out the the, the DB. Hauls in the pass. Uh, this is a guy plucking the air, the ball out of the air with the ha- <clears throat> with tremendous hands. Look, the dude's 6'3", 220. He's going to be big. He's going to be physical. Uh, and look, he had a, a, a tremendous touchdown, 18-yard touchdown with 38 seconds to play uh, against K-State. Ran this post across, you know, across the face of A.J. Parker, the DB. Ball was thrown out in front of him. Goes up high and elevates with the corner on the back hip for a touchdown to end up winning the game. And, and look, Jonathan Adams also ran a 4-5-140. For a guy his size running that 4-5-140, I think that's huge for him. 
To me, that solidifies his status as a round five receiver. He's the guy to me that I think you got to keep an eye out for. You've got Trevon Grimes out of Florida. He's 6'4", 218 pounds. Another big physical receiver. The guy that's going to go up and high point the football. Um, he's a guy to keep an eye out for if you're looking for those bigger receivers. Transitioning to a couple of smaller guys. you got Wap Fillior out of, out of Indiana. He's 5'11", 180 pounds. A year removed from a 1,000-yard season. Michael Penix Jr. goes down to injury and really his production struggled. Although, if you watch that game against Mississippi in the Outback Bowl, he had 18 catches for 81 yards. I mean, a guy that was shifty in space, um, but just so reliable with his hands. You know, weapon over the middle, fearless, very tough, um, you know, very sudden with his route running to create some separation. And he was just, he was the security blanket um, time and time again as that game went on. And so keep an eye, Wap Fillior late in the draft. Uh, a guy who can end up being a slot receiver and be a favorite target for a quarterback at the next level. Daz Newsom out of North Carolina, another guy who's 5'10", 190 pounds, 1,000-yard receiver in, in 2019. Um, this is a guy who um, has tremendous concentration, a guy that can get down the field a little bit, but you know, a guy who I think also was able to work the underneath routes to allow Deami Brown to be that vertical threat. So to me, Daz Newsom was a little bit more reliable. He may not be as explosive as Deami Brown, but Deami Brown had a lot of the drops. And I think Daz Newsom, he'll be a guy that'll fall to round five, round six, but I think he'll be a solid receiver at the next level. Dax Milne was a favorite target of, uh, of Zach Wilson, a guy that can get down the field, a possession guy as well. Uh, very sudden and elusive in space. Former walk-on, too. So a guy that you really have to be pulling for. Over 1,100 yards this past season. Uh, and eight touchdowns. Seven, 17 yards per reception for the junior there out of BYU. Um, I think Shai Smith is one of those sudden slot receivers. He's only 5'10", but a guy who I think can can definitely make plays over the middle of the field. He'll be a guy late, you know, mid to late rounds. Caden Johnson out of South Dakota State, a guy from the FCS schools, the Jackrabbits, 5'10", 180 pounds. And this is a dude, look, over 2,800 yards receiving, 28 touchdowns in just three seasons, because remember, did not play in 2020. Um, also a guy that that is able to uh, take back a couple of kicks for touchdown. He did that as a, as a true freshman there um, for South Dakota State. He's a guy that I think can stretch some defenses on the outside a little bit. Uh, really good hands, a reliable receiver, mid-round guy that I think you know, is going to stick with a franchise. Uh, Simi Fajoko out of Stanford, very intriguing. Ran a 4-3-7-40 at 6'4 and 227 pounds. And this is a guy who I think is continuing to develop. If you saw him in that UCLA game, he was a guy that was virtually uncoverable. You know, And really, he and Daz Milne, uh, I'm sorry, um, He and Davis Mills were on point that entire game, and the ball placement was absolutely right there. And uh, you know he's going to be a guy that's going to stretch defenses. You just worry about whether or not he, there's that JJ Arcega Whiteside effect. You know, a guy that can that can stretch, and, you know, vertically, but is he going to really generate any separation if he's going to move laterally at all? Um, and that's going to be the big question mark there for Simi Fajoko. One guy who is, is explosive and has no problem creating separation, that's Amir Smith-Marset. 6'1", 179. He turned on that, that Holiday Bowl against USC a season ago. Uh, you watched the guy who just absolutely dominated 
You're scoring touchdowns every which way as a receiver, as a running back, uh, as a returner. Uh, very explosive guy. Um, you know, somebody who I think needs to develop a little bit more in terms of route running. Uh, let some of those passes get into his body a little bit as well. Uh, but definitely a guy who I think could be a vertical threat at the next level. Uh, Mar- Marlon Williams out of uh, UCF, six foot two thirteen. He's going to be one of those guys. He's not that not the flashiest. But when you think about it, through eight games, he still went over a thousand yards this past season. Um, and a guy who I think, again, you know, he's going to be a, a, you know, mostly a possession guy, a guy that's going to work the middle of the field. Look, 15 yards per reception. So he's not going to be a guy that's going to necessarily take the, de- the top off of a defense. But he'll work the middle of the field. He'll work the sidelines. He'll be a nice possession guy at the next level. If we were talking about vertical leaps, then Josh Imatorbebe would be our number one overall pick. Why? Dude jumped 46 inches. 46. That's insane. 46 inch vertical leap. I mean, you know, 6'2", 220 pounds. Here's the problem, though. He was at USC for a couple of years, battled some injuries, only caught two passes in two games. Didn't see the field much. Transfers to Illinois and, uh, you know, 55 catches, 930 yards, 12 touchdowns, but but a guy, you know, you still have that question mark. I mean, he did, you know, mass, you know, 19.2 yards per reception in 2019, 2020, you know, production wasn't all that great. Illinois struggled at, at times. Um, big reason why Lovey Smith was let go, um, but He's just one of those mystery guys, you know, and a guy you just wonder why he wasn't able to put everything together. I saw some drops on some easy passes, so that may play into it as well. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick is another guy I think is going to be a late-round pick there for Louisville, uh, 6'2", 210. Um, and this is a guy, look, the last two seasons, um, you know, really uh, became more of a downfield threat. Um, including this past season, 833 yards, 19.4 yards per reception, um, 21 total touchdowns in his career. Uh, he's a guy, he's a bigger physical guy uh, to 2 Atwell, the speed, nice complimentary uh, duo there. Uh, so I, I like him as a late round guy. Um, and now we're getting into some guys who may or may not get drafted. Um, you've got Warren Jackson out of Colorado State. Got to remember Warren, a guy that you know can high point the football, can play outside the numbers. He's 6'6", 215, over 1,100 yards through the air uh, and eight touchdowns. Um, you know, remember Preston Williams? He was a guy at, at Colorado State, a guy that was dominating the competition, undrafted free agent, goes to Miami and makes a name for himself. Warren Jackson, I could see having a similar future uh, at the next level. Brennan Eagles. A huge receiver, he's 6'4", 230 pounds. Um, you know, a guy who, look, you know, Texas, they had a lot of different receivers. Uh, and obviously, Sam Ellinger, a quarterback. This was a quarterback who was very streaky, struggled at times with accuracy. Uh, but when they needed a big play, Eagles was the guy that they went to. Uh, Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, look, he's 6'2", 210. Um, not the flashiest guy, a guy that's going to be physical, especially as a blocker on the outside. I, I don't know if he is going to get drafted. There are some people who think he may end up being an early day three pick. I just don't see it. You know, we're going to get in, you know these next few guys are definitely going to be undrafted free agents, but guys who I think can end up making a pl- making a play um, for a roster spot at some point. Antonio Nunn out of ba- uh, Buffalo. He's 5'11", 200 pounds. Nobody's really talking about this guy. 
but you know he runs really good routes um, does a good job stacking the corner and then ultimately um, able to, to show that, that concentration hauling the football in he wins through the jam at the line um, does a really good job flattening out those those routes as well to make it easier for the quarterback you know, he ran a 4-4-2 and a 4-4-7 at Buffalo's Pro Day as well. Um, you know, a, a guy who I think, you know, he can play bigger than his his size. I, I say that quite a bit, but look, he's 5'11", 200. But he's one of those guys, you know, that I, I honestly thought that he was 6'2", 6'3", because of the way that he was able to high point footballs, attack the football in the air, catching footballs over guys. Um, then you have a guy like Trey Walker out of San Jose State. He's 5'11", 180 pounds. Uh, a year removed from you know going over 1,100 yards there for San Jose State. He's a real possession guy. He's not the biggest dude by any means. Um, he, he's quicker than he is fast. He's going to set guys up really well. Um, does it has a really good feel for for where the defender is. You know, in, you know, in terms of you know if the if the defender is is over pursuing, he can kind of sense that and be able to spin off of that and get back to the outside. Um, also, if somebody's coming in to, to tackle him, the spin moves as well back to the inside. Um, so definitely a, an intelligent receiver with this route running ability. Um, Isaiah McCoy out of Kent State, a bigger receiver. is 6'2", 200 pounds. Um, he'll be a guy that I think uh, he and Brandon Smith out of Iowa, they're a couple of really, really good athletic receivers. Um, Brandon Smith, he's 6'2", 210. Um, wasn't really utilized that much there at Iowa, but I think he'll be a guy. Those are two guys, he and McCoy, are going to be guys that will get a look just because of their athleticism. Uh, Jeremiah Haydell may end up getting uh, a look just because of the catch against SMU. If you haven't seen it, it was Odell Beckham Jr.-like. Um, stutter off the line, jab inside, releases to the outside, fades to the wide side of the field. Uh, elevates, goes up with one hand, uh, his right hand secures it, and then ends up coming down, in, uh, coming down inbounds for a five-yard touchdown. But he extended back, just like OBJ for that catch. Um, it was only a five-yard reception, but it was one of the more spectacular five-five-yard uh, receptions that you'll see. And then one final receiver to talk about, and that's Appalachian State's Thomas Hennigan. He's probably not going to run the fastest forty time by any means. Uh, but he's 6'1", 205, and this is a dude who is just tough. He's a tough dude, a guy who's very reliable with his hands. He's going to catch the ball in traffic, always working back to the football. He, he's physical as a blocker. Um, I, I like his route running ability as well. You know, he, he doesn't have a lot of speed, but he still knows how to get open. He's also savvy, ball thrown underneath. He's going to try to work back to the football, ends up drawing some pass interference calls because of that. This is a dude who also battled uh, a leg injury throughout the entire season. Dude didn't miss a game. He did not miss one game. So to me, I look at, at Thomas Hennigan. He's the guy that at least deserves a shot, if nothing else, just a shot at the next level um, because I think he has some of that playmaking ability. We have a little bit of time. Why not, why not talk about the tight ends, right? Um, Kyle Pitts is an absolute monster. 6'6", 246 pounds there out of Florida. Um, and a guy, look, when you talk about Kyle Pitts, he, look, I, I think I can't underscore the fact that you know the, the what was staggering 
Not only was he the John Mackey Award winner for the top tight end, but he was also the Bolitnikoff Award finalist. That's right, finalist for the top receiver as well. I mean, that's unheard of. Can you find the last time that happened? You can't because it's never happened before. And when you talk about guys who are going to be making plays, who who was the, the top target there for Patrick Mahomes and really just the top target overall in the playoffs? It was Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey was keeping the charge, or, I mean, the Chiefs in the football game. This was a guy, uh, a weapon there at that tight end position, and Kyle Pitts can absolutely do that. Uh, the chemistry that he had with uh, with Kyle Trask, um, you know, 12 touchdowns through just eight games. You know, this is a guy who was running by uh, Kelvin Joseph. You know, he helped, you know, got Kel- uh, Kelvin Joseph to widen and then ultimately ends up taking that inside release and, and takes him up the seam and, and scores a touchdown. He's elevating over guys. He's running by, you know, it didn't matter if it was J.C. Horn or, or, you know, Tyson Campbell. He's going up against some of the bigger receiver, or, uh, bigger corners and he's making them look silly. I mean, he went up against uh, Patrick Sertan in that Alabama uh, SEC championship game. And, I mean, what he did against him, it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you know, there's a step to the outside. Sertan bites. Then he cuts back to the inside, beats him on this slant, um, you know, after working off the jam. And, uh, you know, picks up, I think it was 11 yards on that play. But just absolutely ridiculous there. Um, He's... He's a guy that is going to just make you look silly. And a lot of times you talk about tight ends who are too big for defensive backs and too fast for linebackers. But he's also too fast for the DBs and too big for the linebackers. Mismatch nightmare. Could he go to the Falcons at four if they want to stay with Matt Ryan? Sure. Could he even be an answer there for the Jets if the Jets traded down? Absolutely. Why? Well, I mean, they already have other wideouts there. I mean, they were trying to get Juju Smith-Schuster onto the roster as well. Uh, they already have Corey Davis. They have Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder. Chris Herndon's not a bad number two tight end. You get Kyle Pitts in there to team with, with Sam Darnold. You know, I mean, you, you're starting to build yourself a lot of weapons around him with Makai Becton and George Fan. If you feel that he's going to be your right tackle, then you've got some pieces there on offense all of a sudden. Just, you know, food for thought there. Um, but I think he's not going, you know, could the, the Bengals take him at five? Sure, they absolutely could. Uh, they're in desperate need of a tight end. But uh, I'm ultimately looking at the Eagles at six. You know, Zach Ertz is, is looking for a trade partner, and they do have Dallas Goddard. But I think when you look at what Nick Sirianni, he's coming from the Colts. Right and Mo Ali Cox and uh, and Jack Doyle they ran a lot of double tight end sets there and so I, I really think what you can do is, is you've got um, Goddard who can be in line you can also line up in the slot but I think he can be more of your in line guy and then you got Kyle Pitts on the outside look he can be a receiver he can be whatever the heck he wants you know, whether it's all, you know Alshon Jeffrey and, and Deshaun Watson they're both gone you know. Sure, you can line up Kyle Pitts as a receiver. Line up as the X doesn't really matter um, because of the athleticism and, and his ability to make plays. Uh, Kyle Pitts, to me, uh, should be a top 10 pick. And look, if TJ Hawkinson can go in the top 10, and go I believe it was number nine overall to the Lions, then you absolutely have to expect that 
this is going to be Kyle Pitts' year where he's going to you know, really break the mold and potentially come off the board um, in, in you know the top five or six picks. You know, it can absolutely happen. Tight ends, look, you know, Pat Fryermuth, they call him Baby Gronk for a reason. Um, I think the Chargers could still end up targeting him. Um, I mentioned the Bengals. Um, and if you look at my mock draft that's on the website right now, I still have, I actually have him going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you know, the Jaguars, they let Tyler Eifert go. And uh, James O'Shaughnessy uh, is also a, a free agent. And, and look, you know, Baby Gronk, his name is Baby Gronk for a reason. Uh, punishing inline blocker, both in the running game and then also taking care of the quarterback. Can do a really good job sealing the edge, generates a ton of movement when squaring up defenders, picks off moving targets at the next level. Also dangerous in the passing game, though. Soft hands, stretches defenses vertically, makes plays after the catch, and a knack for finding the end zone. Has 16 touchdowns in three seasons. Um, all of these skills very reminiscent of Gronk. So I think it really furthers uh, that, that nickname there. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I look at the Jags. They, they bring in Pat Fryermuth. You know, there's another nice target there for Trevor Lawrence. And I think if Urban Meyer does that, you're just continuing to to bring in the pieces that you need for your quarterback to be successful. I think Brevin Jordan uh, is a guy that I, I honestly believe that his 40 time is going to make a huge difference. Because when you're talking about a guy who's undersized and he's 6'3", 235 pounds, you've got to be fast if you think you're going to get drafted you know, um, high in this draft. Evan Ingram ran in the 4-4s. He was taken in round number one. He also, production-wise, absolutely ridiculous with some of the numbers that he was putting up. Then you look at Hunter Bryant, Washington uh, tight end, a guy that looked like a buffed-up wideout, and he runs in the four sevens, didn't even get drafted. So, uh, you know, you look at the difference there. You know, Brevin Jordan, yeah, you know, it was nice, 576 yards through eight games in, in 2020, but... Um, you know, it's still not on the same level of, of Evan Ingram. Uh, so he's going to have to prove himself a little bit. I think he is a physical blocker. He was asked to take on defensive ends as an inline blocker as well. I think that's going to make him more valuable. But he played in just 26 games over the last three seasons at the U. So that does worry you a little bit because um, he hasn't played a full season. Is he going to be able to handle the rigors of uh, you know, the NFL season? I, I think that is a, a valid question. Moving on, um, I think in round number three, you've got a couple of tight ends you're going to see come off the board as well, um, or at least one. I've got Hunter Long coming off the board. He's 6'4", 253 pounds. They're out of Boston College. Um, I think the Chargers, you know, again, I mentioned that they, they brought in Jared Cook, but I think Virgil Green's also going to be out. Hunter Long could be an inline blocker as well. A polished route runner, a weapon up the seam, soft hands when attacking the football in the air. But look, this dude... Um, did a lot there for the Eagles there in BC. Um, in 2019, he was a downfield threat, averaging over 18 yards per catch. In 2020, he was Phil Dracovic's, uh security blanket. You know, and ultimately, he had four catches in seven of the 11 games in which he played. And when you think about it, you know, Phil Dracovic, it seemed like if it was a third down play or if he was under pressure, he's looking for Hunter Long um, on all of those plays. So I, I think... Having a weapon like that team up with, with Justin Herbert, have that, that security blanket, I think it makes some sense. 
You know, and, and you can probably get him there in round number three. Some people think he's going to fall to round four. It's a possibility, but I think it would be a nice value there. Um, so the guys that we do have coming off the board in round four, I'm looking at Kenny Yaboa out of Mississippi. This is a dude that was interesting. At Temple played in, uh, in three seasons with the Owls, caught 47 passes for 538 yards and six touchdowns. Showcases blocking ability, and that's one of the things that you definitely see as a pass blocker. Look really sharp. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Then he goes to Lane Kiffin's offense as a grad transfer. 27 catches, 524 yards, six touchdowns in his lone season, 19.4 yards per reception. Proved that he can be a downfield weapon stretching defenses. And look, against Alabama, four catches, 143 yards, and two touchdowns, including a 68-yard catch. Um, ran his route over the middle of the field behind the linebackers, made a man miss, and then showed the speed to take it to the house. And I mentioned the blocking. Pro Football Focus noted that you know, he didn't give up a sack over the last two seasons, so you know that he's solid in pass protection. And I think he does a decent job sustaining blocks in the running game as well, although there's you know he does struggle to generate some movement and, and be consistent. But I think Yaboa is going to be a, a sleeper in this draft. I really do. Uh, and then Tommy Tremble's another one. Not a guy that you, you know that he was asked to do a ton in, in the passing game. When he did catch the football, he made the most of it. You know, he made some catches down the field. 6'4", 248 pounds, physical, physical blocker. That's the thing. You put on the film, you watch him coming across formation, just burying guys uh, as an inline blocker, whether it's you know caving in his side of the line or driving his man down the field, climbing to the second level, hitting moving targets. Uh, Tommy Tremble, to me, you know, he could absolutely be a um, he's an inline guy. He could be a blocking tight end. He could be a receiver. I'm actually looking at Minnesota. And here's what's interesting. Kyle, Kyle Rudolph is gone. You've got Irv Smith Jr. who's going to be your number one wide out at the tight end position. But I think you need another complimentary tight end. And Tommy Tremble, to me, seems to fit that bill. So those are the guys that I think are going to come off the board in the first four rounds. I think Noah Gray out of Duke is another guy, uh, 6'4", 240 pounds. I think he's going to be someone that we could potentially see come off the board in round four, possibly round five as well. Uh, sure-handed receiver. Um, I, I think a nice weapon there um, You know, coming out of Duke. Then you've got some, some guys who I think have some, some playmaking ability, uh, guys that, that we'll just kind of have to wait and see on. Uh, Trey McKitty. He's 6'5", 245 out of Florida State. Wasn't really asked to catch the football a ton. Just 56 catches in his four seasons with the, the Seminoles of Florida State and the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, but mostly known for, for his blocking prowess. Uh, I think Matt Bushman out of BYU. He's 6'5", 240. Was a nice target there for BYU. Really was going to be counted upon by Zach Wilson to be that man there at the tight end position. Lucked out they had Isaac Rex, a redshirt freshman who was tremendous. But look, you know, he was a year removed from 688 yards receiving and four touchdowns for, for the Cougars. Ends up getting hurt in 2020, sits out the year. And uh, But I think Matt Bushman's a guy that could be a sleeper and working out, you know, working onto a team. Um, you got Kerry Angeline at, at NC State, uh, started his career at USC, transfers to the Wolfpack. He's 6'7", 250. You love his size. Um, and look, you know, didn't have to catch a ton of passes there, but he did haul in uh, 400. Uh, I'm sorry, 27 catches, 412 yards, six touchdowns in his final year there in Raleigh. Um, Tony Poljan out of out of Virginia, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He's 6'7", 265. He started his career as a as a quarterback there for the Chippewas of Central Michigan, and uh, I think he quickly realized that. 
He actually has a future at the tight end position. Shows up at Central Michigan, 33 catches, over 490 yards, and four touchdowns. And then, man, grad transfer goes to Virginia, ends up having this sweet catch uh, with the body control in the back back of the end zone, getting his feet down. Um, and so I, I think showing off some of the hands, the body control, the concentration, um, there's some skills there to work with as a late round pick. I think Quentin Morris out of out of Bowling Green is another guy to keep an eye out for. Uh, had 649 yards receiving there in 2019. Um, struggled a little bit to get things going in 2020. Just five games on the year. Didn't even catch a touchdown pass. All 13 of his touchdowns were in his first three seasons there. Um, at Bowling Green, but a guy, again, to keep an eye out for. Blocker, you know, inconsistent there, but definitely a nice athlete. Um, you look at Josh Peterson out of uh, Louisiana Monroe, UL, uh, ULM, 6'5", 235 pounds, uh, and a guy who I think, from a receiver standpoint, a guy who, look, he can stretch defenses a little bit, a uh, reliable guy, a guy that can, can stretch you up the seam, um, a guy that can make plays after the catch. You definitely want to be able to see that. And so he's a guy to me that I think can end up being one of those late round guys uh, that teams are going to jump on as well. Um, and I think one of the guys that was one of my favorites uh, actually played a- out of uh, Central Missouri. That's right, Central Missouri. Uh, I was actually able to find game film on him. And this is a dude, he was also the team's punter. Um, you know, he's a six-seven tight end, but he was also the team's punter. I mean, it was it was unreal. And you watch this guy; he moves a lot like a a receiver. He's six-seven, two hundred forty-five pounds. His name is Zach Davidson, and he played for the Mules there of Central uh, Central Missouri, and just an absolute playmaker. I mean, that was the thing that I thought was was ridiculous with this dude. Um, you know, just a guy who you're gonna see make plays down the field, very athletic in space, can make you miss a little bit, um, has a nice nice little bit of wiggle to him. Uh, just a guy that's going to make plays. Uh, I think he'll end up being, you know, potential to get drafted. You know, and that's one of the things that I think is kind of crazy. Um, you know, you're talking about guys out of Central Central Missouri. Look, the, the NFL, if you're good, the NFL is going to find you. And, uh, you know, when you, when you put on the game film, it's pretty clear that this is a guy that can be a downfield weapon. Um, I think, you know, he still needs to work on some of his blocking ability, some of his route running. But the athleticism is absolutely there. And uh, for a guy that his size to move as well as he does, I don't want to see him get lost in the shuffle. He's a guy that I think needs uh, to get some of that attention. Um, you know, other guys to, to consider, Miller Forrestal, he's battled a ton of knee injuries. Uh, finally healthy, 6'5", 242. Um, he reminds me kind of a guy that, that could be an H-back uh, at the next level. I think Sean Beyer out of Iowa, uh, another guy who's going to be a blocking tight end. Um, he has a chance to get drafted. Uh, Kylan Granton out of SMU. Um, yes, he puts up a ton of numbers, um, over uh, 1,800 yards, 16 touchdowns in his career at Rice and SMU. But, you know, body catcher. Um, that's something that kind of worries me a little bit when I watch him play. Um, you got Briley Moore uh, out of uh, Northern Iowa, then you know, moving on to Kansas after that. I'm sorry, Kansas State. Uh, definitely an athletic guy on the outside. To me, I look at him. He, he feels like more of an H-back type of a type of a player as well. 
Um, talented guy, but when I look at this, this tight end class, outside of the first few guys, you know, I mentioned the guys in the first uh, first three days of the draft, Pitts, Fryermuth, Long, Jordan, Tremble, Yaboa, uh, potentially Gray as well. Seven guys. Outside of that, there aren't really a lot of guys that excite me, guys that I think could potentially play, but they're going to be developmental guys. Look, Josh Peterson, Zach Davidson, Quentin Morris, Tony Poljan, all these guys are going to be developmental tight ends. You know, and that's one of the things to where they're going to be late round picks or undrafted free agents. And when you talk about the tight end position, uh, last year we only had 12 tight ends drafted. That was the lowest since 2016 when we had 11. Um, you know, and last year that's when we had Cole Komet come off the board um, in round number two. Asi uh, Asi, Josiah DeGuerra, uh, Dalton Keene, Adam Troutman. Kind of a weird draft. A year removed from having Hawkinson, Fant, and uh, Smith Jr. come off the board in the first 50 picks. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, you know that you're going to have Kyle Pitts come off the board in round one. Firemuth likely in round two. Jordan in the, the round two to round three range. And then after that, I think Hunter Long's off the board next. He and uh, Yaboa possibly tremble. And then after that, it's kind of a, a, a big drop-off. So if I'm a team that's looking for a tight end, I may very well draft a little bit higher than I would like to to make sure that I get one of these six or seven guys because otherwise I'm getting a developmental guy who's likely not going to be able to make plays uh, right out of the gate. He's going to be a guy that I'm going to have to, like I said, develop. I'm going to have to work on the blocking ability. I'm going to have to work on some of the route running, potentially even you know the, the, the hands and making sure that the ball doesn't always get into the body, that you're a consistent hands catcher. So I, I think there's going to be some, some work to do there at the tight end position, not really a, an overwhelming uh, position in this year's draft. And uh, when I worked out the numbers, um, I had about anywhere between 11 to 15 tight ends taken. So that's about right uh, because we've had in the last five years, 11, 14, 15, 16, and 12 tight ends taken in the draft. So I, I think I'm about right there, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're kind of on the lower end when it's all said and done. So we were able to get through all of the receivers, over 40 receivers, as well as some of our tight ends as well for the draft. All things receivers. And uh, look, I don't think we're going to hit 37 receivers. I think we'll probably see about 34, 35. Um, you know, the big question mark is going to be just how many receivers come off the board in round number one. Will it be four like I'm thinking? Could we see five or six? Absolutely. I don't think we're going to see any any more than six, but I think you're going to see a lot of value in rounds two and three. And then obviously, like we talked about in some of the previous drafts, there are going to be receivers that will come off the board in rounds four and five who will end up making, you know, making plays and really being those sleepers there in the draft. And we'll talk about them a few years down the line like we did here today. Um, you know, and be talking about those guys saying, wow, you know, where – how we missed that? Why why were they taken off the board in round four or five? Um, but hopefully we at least covered some of those guys here, and, and we talked about the fact that there are some playmakers and some sleepers that are going to end up falling to round four and five because of the depth of this draft class. So we're going to go ahead and call this a podcast for today. Episode twenty six. I'm going to re- be releasing that in just a couple of days. And uh, that's going to be the third installment of the From a Fan's Perspective segment. 
I'm actually going to sit down with Jeff Paez, who is a huge Miami Dolphins fan. We're going to take a look at free agency. We're also going to talk about the draft. I want to find out if he's Team Devontae or Team Jamar. Uh, does he think there's any chance that Panay Sewell would be drafted, even with the trade for Isaiah William? I'm sorry, Isaiah Wilson. I don't see it happening, um, but it's good to at least ask and see what his thoughts are. Curious to see get his take on the 18th overall pick. You could go running back. You could go offensive line if you wanted to. You can go secondary. Um, I actually have him going with an edge rusher there. Um, so it's interesting to see what, what can happen. I think day two is when they're going to get their running back to, to really take over the starting duties from Miles Gaskin and Salvan Ahmed. So there'll be a lot to talk about there with, with Mr. Paez. So until then, I hope everyone enjoys their week and enjoys their weekend. We'll do this all again soon here in the coming days. For readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone, and I am out of here.